Welcome to B2B Craftworks, a podcast about business writing. Every quarter or so, I share a round-robin update on different parts of my life and business. And this time, I thought I'd try something different and tell you about it. For the last quarter of 2023, I guess what struck me most is how much unlike a business person I look and feel. Because when I picture a business person, frankly, it's a nice suit, it's nice pants, and I don't even own those things anymore. And everything that I do own has smears of what I'm really going to hope is yogurt, and I promise is totally yogurt. And I can't quite tell how I feel about that. I think this is the new world of business, and it's certainly a more inclusive world of business because I don't have to go anywhere or look a certain way to operate one. So this year, I'm going to call it character building. That's what we're going to call it. And I built approximately three elephant herds of character. I also built out my coaching business, which is a bright shining star through it all. I continued work with my own coach. Shout out to Ed. And I had an environmental scientist come out and show me why my house is killing me. And that that's probably a big part of update. So here we go. My, my dying brain. I, I really, I don't mean to be dramatic, but when you've been exposed to mold for a long time and when you have certain genetic predispositions, like someone like me, you kind of starve your brain and then you start having lots of serious problems with your body and your mind. So for a lot of this year, I was just really sad and really sick and trying to handle running a business and two young kids and everything that goes with that kind of life. One thing that really jumps out, I think a lot about the Spider-Man movie that has the Green Goblin and how you get to the end and the motivations. Well, spoiler alert, the motivation behind the Green Goblin is just how sick he is and how he's dying and that turned him into an evil person. When I first saw that movie, I didn't buy that. I didn't believe that being sick would turn you into an evil person because... In all the other stories, when you're sick, you get wise and you become kind and you think about other people and it's all meaningful. But I didn't factor in real life and how being sick and chronic illness and chronic pain can actually make you bitter and turn you into a negative person who can't handle a lot. So a lot of this year, I really came to terms with the fact that I was the Green Goblin. I was not letting this obstacle turn me into a better person. And I really thought it would. I thought I would be one of those people who was more friendly and more giving when I'm sick. And that didn't really, that's not really what happened. <laughs> but overall, I'm still, I'm proud of the way I haven't given up on myself. I have done all of the testing and the healing and the doctors and tracking and a lot of survivor traits. I've really exhibited those. So it's not all bad news. And so partially, this is a PSA for mold. If you know somebody who seems to be exhibiting mysterious illness or mysterious mental health stuff, look into SIRS, which is chronic inflammatory response syndrome and mold toxicity. As it turns out, this is the root cause of my autoimmune health issues for the past 10 years. It deeply affected the back pain I was experiencing, and I've had some huge wins and gains with that, as well as energy. But the nature of the illness is that it's really up and down. And I found out by doing an environmental study on my home, all of our carpets had been infected with mold and fungus. 
three different places in the home had water damage that we need to get mitigated. And so it's just been expensive, depressing, overwhelming, painful. But all that said, there's some hope. So once we get the house clear, we've already replaced the floors. I'm about one year into a two to three year process of special nose sprays. One has already killed the bacteria in my nose called Marcon's, and that solved my back pain. And then now we just need to regulate my immune system again. And so there's been a lot of mindset stuff and mental health stuff just coming to terms with being sick and not having your body work the way it, quote unquote, is supposed to or was designed to. And then embracing what healing looks like. Because if your normal is really bad and then things start feeling good, it doesn't change your normal. You still have that shadow of feeling bad. And that's that's been really interesting to live through. And I'm not that great at the obstacle is the way kind of stuff and seeing the good in the bad that's happening. I think it sucks and I'd rather it just not be bad, frankly. But I'm working on that, <laughs> as we all are. And I think I can see how this experience has allowed me to reflect on and embrace just the duality of being alive, how things can be good and bad at the same time. I can be proud of myself and ashamed of myself at the same time. I can be working hard. I can feel like I'm not working enough. I can feel blessed. I can feel punished. All of this can be true at the same time. And I think that's why we're confused a lot of the time. The next update I have is about coaching as my lifeline. So listen, I know the value of coaching is really about the coaching recipient. That's the whole point. But given the health stuff I just described, I have to emphasize what a lifeline it's been for me to be in coaching relationships with a dozen people at a time the past few months. In the process of helping them untangle whatever they're dealing with, I'm reliving my own passion for business. The love I have for personal development, the energy that comes from leveling up every day, it's such a gift. And when I say gift, I mean... When I'm talking to someone who's about to pitch 750 bucks for a project and I can walk them through the value for the client and how unique their skills are for this and get them open to pitching something like 2000 or 2500 and they agree to try and then that pitch is accepted immediately and the client calls them a unicorn, I literally feel like I just made $2,000. It feels better than when I make it because I'm helping someone else do it. And that... Whew. The number of times that has re-inspired me to keep going, I couldn't count it. And I'm super impressed by everybody I'm working with. And it's like, it's just this chance in a lifetime that both of us are doing the things we want to do and we meet at the same time on Zoom and connect in this way. And we're both striving to change and do different things and become better people, both in business and in life. And it really, it's just being a part of a miracle. That's, that's where I will leave it. And that's not to say I don't get up in my head about it. So I've had a lot of mindset issues pop up, too, with coaching. Who am I to charge this? What do I even have to offer? Can't people just read Playing Big over and over again and get all the value they need? But I work with my own coach to tame those issues. And I think it just means all of our brains have this programming that experiences limits. And if we don't remove them intentionally, if we don't feel around on our neck to find the leashes that are holding us back, we're going to remain that way. And I don't know why, because that doesn't seem like very smart biological programming, but I'm no exception. I need someone to talk to about it, and my life is the richer for it, literally and figuratively. 
Another update I have is launching a super fun side project. It's really more like an art and journaling project, but a guy named Nick invented a program called Stamp Fans. And what this does is allows people to sign up for a newsletter that's actually snail mail. So after a decade of earning money writing on behalf of other people, I just earned my first 18 bucks writing for myself and just my ideas. And it happened when my friends Susan and Liz, shout out Susan and Liz, signed up for my stamp fan subscription called Tiny Questions. And this is just a way for me to write about stationery, share journal prompts and some recommendations to help everybody love that analog life. So if you love fountain pens or journals or you want to love those things, I'll have the link in the show notes. It goes out on the last day of the month every month. My next update is a little more practical because there have been two realizations I had about how I spend my time and how work shows up on my calendar. And I consider them kind of work hacks, maybe more like work techniques because hacks are for hacks. But anyway, first, with the layout of my work week throughout the year, I've switched more to coaching. And because I meet with coaching clients every week, I ended up being on the phone a lot. So I was feeling really burned out being available like 830 to 430 every day. It doesn't leave a lot of focus time for me to actually get anything done. I'm just hopping from call to call, trying to be as present as I can. But after a brainstorm with my coach, I've been experimenting with different kinds of availability. And something that's been working great so far when I can hold to my boundaries is blocking off either an AM or PM time on each day that I'm taking calls for a clear working or focus bot. And that kind of corrals all of the calls into a four-hour window as well, so I can jump into a call block without being stressed about any deadlines that are coming for me, and then shift into deadline mode and have some protected work time each week. The second concept is related to time two. I've been pretty good about balancing my workload and using capacity planning to figure out when something needs to get done or if it can get done, but I've realized I always stuffed as much work as possible into whatever time that I have. I never really paced myself, and that was the revelation I've had the past few weeks. Instead of checking my capacity planner to see what I could stuff in and fit in, I'm actually using it to pace myself and leave some extra room or some margin for me to do something else. So for example, if a deadline comes up, I'm not going to look at this week's work time as availability because I've already committed it to something else. I'm going to push it a week out and use only next week's work time to consider when I could get that work done. I start to protect the current week a little more, and it's been really effective. Next up under realizations is the super gross layer that I discovered under my workaholism. I paid a lot of attention to work habits last year and this year. And I broke through another layer of workaholism only to find that there's even more gross stuff under there, not unlike the home renovations that I have going on. And now I'm not sure I believe bad habits just exist in a vacuum. I'm pretty sure we hide stuff with bad habits. At least that's the case for me. If I'm working, I don't have to deal with the fact that I'm sick and unable to be there for my kids the way I want to be. I don't have to face the shame of wanting to avoid their company because they're loud and energetic and I'm tired and amped and frazzled. I don't have to face the loss of a decade of my life. I had to spend coping with life and not living it. But this year, I finally managed to truly overwork myself to the point of physical exhaustion. I don't recommend it, but some of us have to hit a wall before we're willing to get out of the car. This issue is mostly still unresolved, but I'm taking more time for myself. And when I feel the urge to pull away from downtime or relaxation time because I have to face what I don't want to face, 
I'm talking myself through it and I'm leaning into the the downtime and the relaxation. I'm trying. And to get really granular about this, one of my goals for the new year is vacay every day. So I've been trying to find five to 10 to 20 minutes of vacation style activities to indulge in during my workday. Even if it's just laying on the floor for 10 minutes, looking out the window to observe the weather, the trees, it needs to be microscopically small so I have no excuses. And it's a nice reminder every day that I'm allowed to be human and not just a work robot, which more often than not, I feel like a work robot. So to that end, I actually made a huge, dramatic change that no one else is going to think is huge or dramatic, but I decided to move my work planning into a separate planner. So if you're not into stationery, you might be tempted to think this isn't a big deal, but let me assure you, it is a very big deal. And so my main large planner now has way more space just for life and art instead of letting work reflections and work plans dominate every waking moment of my life the way they otherwise do. It's been super uncomfortable, surprisingly uncomfortable, but I credit my experience as a coach for getting me through even this first step because I know it's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to try it and the results might surprise me. Perhaps the most uncomfortable part is looking at this blank A5 sized page and thinking, wait, I have to talk about myself and my experience without any reference to work. I don't know how to do that. I have nothing to say. But should it be that way? Should it really be that hard to be human? Should it really be that hard for me to observe my own thought patterns or what I like or what I'm doing? How did I even get to this place? I don't know. And that's why I want to explore. Because there's an interesting observation that came out during a recent podcast interview that'll be released a little later this month, where I think I leaned into work because that was the only place after having kids that I could feel just 100% good. I was good at it. You get the positive reinforcement. If you work well, money happens or followers happen or subscribers happen. There's just this clear good thing that happens whenever you're putting work into it. And with parenting, especially the young years, the toddler years, it's just give and give and give. And I really found myself moving away from this 50-50 experience of home life and work life to being super duper high with work and then super duper low at home. And I think all of the stuff that I'm doing now is to try to move back into a balance where maybe work has more 50-50 going on and I have to stop before I want to. Maybe home life has more 50-50 going on and it's more pleasurable to just be. So I'm a couple weeks into that perspective and it really has been wonderful. Last year, I also added to my pen collection. I'll kind of gloss over that, but my parents went to Japan to visit one of my brothers deployed there. They decided to completely rock my world and brought back a pilot vanishing point capless and a platinum century 3667. And I cannot put them down. It is very exciting. I also added a couple other pieces, a Twisby Diamond 580, a vintage Mont Blanc, and a vintage Pilot Elite. It's just gorgeous and then a white Sailor 1911 large. I'm just really getting a lot of pleasure from pens and stationery, and mm, highly recommend. Highly recommend. Whew. So there it is. We're better friends now. And I just feel better when you know what's going on with me. Coming up over the next few weeks, I'm going to bring back the co-host episodes with Igrani Yu, and we are going to talk all about marketing, white papers, what's going on in 2024. I think you'll really enjoy our conversations. 
Look out in March as well. We're going to bring back the free monthly webinar series that brings together experts in different topics from finances to niches to all sorts of wild things. And that'll be kicking off and I'll share more information about that in the email newsletter. So you want to hop on that list to make sure that you can save the date and be there for the super cool free stuff that's about to happen. As always, thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next week.